I am joined today by uh, a gentleman who is probably one of the most versatilely informed and incredible people in, in the field of Paranormal 40 and Topics. The most famous one of these Oracle Oxford centers was the Oracle of Delphi, which everybody knows. So she was a, a Sibian, and she was a, a woman that could enter into a trance and, and tell the future. everybody and welcome to the Paranormal Portal Podcast. I'm your host Brent Thomas. Thank you all for joining us and special thank you goes out to all of you who continue to support the podcast and continue to spread the word. Always remember if any of you out there have experiences of your own that you'd like to share, feel free to email me at paranormalportalradio at gmail.com. Again, paranormalportalradio at gmail.com and you too could be a guest on the show. joined today by Mr. Jack Carey, uh, who's come on to absolutely blow our minds. So I hope you guys are ready. Hey, Jack, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Brent. I really appreciate being on. Yeah, you and I always have these these epic conversations and we've been already talking for 45 minutes or 40 minutes and and it's just been this this wave and and I love talking to you because I I can throw any a ball from any side of the field and you're able to just go oh, yeah and and then you 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 take it to a whole nother level so it's always a rare pleasure for for me to have the chance to talk to you and you've always been an incredible guest but today we're going to dive into um well I think there's so many things that we'll probably cover as the show goes on because our conversations are always so organic and alive. And, and so, but the intention is to talk about technologies and reversed engineered technologies. The claims are out there that, you know, we've made such incredible leaps and bounds uh, in our advancement because we've recovered items that don't come from here. And uh, I'm really thrilled to, to dive into this with you because as I stated, you're one of the most learned people I've ever met in the fields, and uh, I'm, I'm curious what your take on all of this is. But before we get started, can you give the give the audience an uh, an idea of who you are, and uh, tell them what you're involved in? Wow! Yeah, thank you for such an amazing uh, you know <laughs> entrance. Um, I uh, how do I explain? So for the last. 30 years, I've been a paranormal investigator. Mm -hmm. I had a series of paranormal events take place when I was very, very young, which has led me on to this path. Um, this path has led me to be the, uh, I was the top um, protege of one of the world's greatest cryptozoologists. Um, who took me under his wing and taught me everything he knew about cryptozoology for a 10-year period before he um, passed away, sadly. And, might you know, it's something that we're still <laughs> yearning to this day. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, um, I've published four books. I've been on uh, uh, three different Gaia series, uh, the top one being Ancient Civilizations, in which I introduced my whole ideas, theories, and knowledge of ancient mystery schools having to do with harmonic resonance. And that's really where I, I, I started. And now that's led me into the modern-day UFO phenomenon. Mm. Um, because the knowledge that was encapsulated in those ancient mystery schools is the same knowledge that we're using right now to rediscover the secrets of what's happening. Isn't that the case, too? I mean, it's surprising. I think with our Western hubris, we have such an idea as that, wow, we're, you know, we're really, for the first time ever, understanding the nature of the universe. But 
I think as we as we develop and as we grow, we're realizing that our ancient cultures really did have an understanding of this stuff as well, although it might have been wrapped in symbology and 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 uh, you know perhaps uh, you know similes and parables and stuff. Yeah. Well, they, see right there, you bring up such a great thing. That's just amazing. So, <laughs> um, let me uh, talk about something I've discovered. Sure. So. There were these centers spread all throughout the Middle East during early humanity. So you could basically say that these were centers spread throughout what we described as paradise as a people growing, you know, mm-hmm. first. They were called oracle octave centers. Oh. Now, each one of these places were situated one geodetic degree from the next across a vast geographic area, the entire Middle East, basically, which, you know, the Fertile Crescent. Mm-hmm. Now, the most famous one of these Oracle Octave Centers was the Oracle of Delphi, which everybody knows. So she was a, a Sibian and. She was a a woman that could enter into a trance and and tell the future for various leaders and warlords and etc. Right? Well, there were eight of these across the Middle East, one geodetic degree from one another, and each one of them had a seer, and every one of them had what's called an onphalus stone. An omphalos stone was like this egg-shaped object, right? It was right in the middle of the temple. There was a serpent wound about it and a mesh design along the egg. Now, along with that, there was a letter inscribed on each egg going across this huge expanse of land. It spells out, the eight-lettered name of God that the Egyptian priest said was unspeakable. Now, when you spell it out, it actually becomes a complete musical octave because it takes eight notes, seven to make the note, eight to complete it to the next octave, And each one of these letters represented one of the musical notes. (laughs) Wow. Is that incredible or what? Now, the word itself goes back to even Kabbalah, pre-Kabbalah. And the Egyptian priesthood, um, when you see it spelled out, it'll just... I'm not even going to tell people. Sure. Go, I want to see what <laughs> the look on the faces of the people are who look up what the unspeakable name of God is in the eight-lettered, you know, octave of God, which is, if you look that up, it'll come up. Mm. Google is amazing. Um, <laughs> so, but what that tells us is this innate relationship in creation, right? Going back to the craft that we're trying to replicate, the problem is is that we don't even understand the physics around which that craft was designed. And the physics have to do with the physics of harmonics. And of this idea of what Bruce Cathy, the guy from New Zealand, called a UFO grid. And when you plotted it out, all of the ley lines of the earth formed a perfect grid on which there were reoccurring UFO sightings that could be measured on years apart from one another. Wow. That's huge. Right. Because when you know that the same craft is going to show up 
and 12 years from the exact date and time it showed up the last time, uh-oh, we've got a real problem on our hands. Yeah. And so that's what he found out. That's incredible. Yeah, that's huge. So what we're left with now is this nightmare of a scenario. Oh, my God. Yeah, the ramifications of that are are, are mind-numbing. Is it, It's what would be... Because now what he's saying is that, and it matches. Okay, so this is where things get really weird and really, really uncomfortable. So what he's saying matches what Jacques Vallée just published with the Trinity book. Okay, so Bruce Cathy says that a nuclear device is in and of itself a harmonic atomic device, meaning that it has to be placed within a certain specific place at a certain time in order for everything else to work right, the harmonic grid to work right, for it to detonate, right? What do we have that initiates the entire UFO phenomenon? The fact that we have three different crashes that all take place right at the same place where we're doing our atomic testing. Wow. No kidding. Yeah. Trinity, Roswell, and then you have Lonnie Zamora with his sighting only eight miles from Trinity. It was a forced landing. No doubt. Crashes. And Trinity, by the way, Trinity was the only test that we ever did at ground level. So what we did was blow up the highway that these things were were traveling on. And you can imagine, you know, you took a trip to Nebraska last year. There wasn't a big-ass hole right in the middle of the highway. (laughs) Well, this time there was, and you went, uh, right to the hole. That's incredible, right? I, I'd, I'd always wondered that because it's like these these technologies may be hundreds, thousands, millions of years advanced to us, and yet they're still crashing. And I'm like, why? I mean, don't don't it's we? Because we screwed up the road. Oh. And the other thing is, is that their craft. The reason why their craft really don't need propulsion, like machinery inside of them, mm-hmm. is because they're built to such geometric harmonic perfection that they can just use this highway from its own geometric shape. It just harnesses the energy. That's incredible. So it's already there. They don't have, you don't have to build anything into it. If you know how to tap into it and they did. And that's why we can't replicate the craft and why we can't quite understand, right. you know, how it's able to perpetuate itself and propul, you know, you know, have a propulsion and everything else. We just can't quite get it. And in fact, uh, you know, Bob Lazar even says that in his experience, the little thing that he thought was a propulsion device was actually a gravity emitter. Well, gravity is key to this whole thing. And our scientists even today will tell you they don't understand what gravity even is. Right. Yet they can replicate some of the same things that gravity does by having intense matter altogether. Wow. You know, that that really rocks my mind because, of course, I, I, and this may be spider webbing a little bit, but, but, I think of of Tesla talking about frequency and vibration being the key to understanding the universe. No, that's exactly. And he knew. And the numbers three, six, and nine. Yeah. We cannot forget that. Three, six, and nine are representative of the frequencies that are interacting in such a way that control our reality matrix. That's what he kept talking about. (laughs) Wow. It's intense. And, and so we're disrupting that with with nuclear tests. Do you think that those disruptions are are then permanent or are they periodic? I, did we did we nerf part of our own grid when when we did that, or 
Is it something that reestablishes? Well, that's, a, that's a really tough question to sure. ask. You know, I guess the only way you could answer it is if there were ongoing records. Yeah. They kept coming down the highway and they kept wrecking on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah. we either repaired it or they repaired it or somebody kept wrecking. Sure. Um, it would be the only way to, to figure that out. Sure. And we apparently have quite a few craft in our possession, so it makes me believe that the, the highway was probably, you know, wrecked for there for, for quite a while. Although Lazar does say, mentions that one of those craft was secured on an archaeological find. Yes, I remember hearing about that's, that. That's huge. Right. So... How far back does the hitchhiker effect go? Yeah, that's a great question. Right? Did did the cavemen who came across that craft also have paranormal experiences in their cave that night? Blue orbs and what have you? That's what we need to know. It's in here, all right. Listen to that counter. Strongest over here. Open that wall cabinet. It's locked, I'll sir. smash it. Now shut off that Geiger counter. Now, what do you make of this, Paulus? Oh, it looks like some sort of portable transmitter, sir. Must be foreign manufactured. I, I, I don't recognize the calibration symbols at all. I, I've never seen anything like it. Which raises a small question. What is Lieutenant Collier doing with a transmitter in his cabin? I don't know, sir. Well, I intend to find out, Paulison. Get down to nav control and bring Collier up to the bridge on the double. That's that's really interesting as well because we're talking about we're talking about that the the grid of grid like lines and waves and stuff. But I, I think we also forget that we're a part of that grid too. You know that that and maybe it has to do with where our population centers are and stuff. You know um, the ley lines, of course, have often been an attractive place to us for some well, reason, right? See, and this brings us back. Like you're just it just. It's like music. It's poetry. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Bruce Cathy's work ties into the work of some uh, scientists from the Soviet the Science Commission in nineteen in the nineteen sixties. It's like their main thing, right? They published this work, so it's out there. You could just read it, and they said that the Earth was actually a gigantic quartz crystal that was spinning in space and at some point it rounded itself off into an orb, but that there were 12 slight perturbations from the crystal around the globe and that these different areas were the areas where you have nonstop paranormal activity taking place. Mm. That matches perfectly with Ivan T. Sanderson's underwater residence theory where he talked about the 12 uh, uh, vile vortices. That's what he actually named them, the 12, 12 vile vortices. So you're talking about like the Bermuda Triangle, the Alaska Triangle, all these different areas, right? Mm-hmm. That is still operating by what we're talking about with the harmonic resonance. So these doorways are opening and closing according to the same principles. Wow. And you can, we can fix it. There's a way we can fix it. If we become advanced enough, we can close all those doorways. Huh. And that's huge. I mean, it really, really is. In my mind, I think that that's huge because you've had 16,000 people go missing in Alaska in the last 30 years, vanished without a trace, 500 people a year, a lot of them within city limit distances. There's not, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a problem. That's incredible. 
So what do you think, though? That, I mean, if these are naturally occurring, uh, I you know, anything in in nature, there's cause and effect. So say we do close them, what would the effect be? I mean, I guess it's purely speculative, but that would be mm-hmm. what I would be nervous about. It's like, well, it's a, it's obviously a natural function of the mechanics of our world. So if we say, no, maybe, maybe it might just be better to, well, and you're talking about such raw power, right? You know, how do you would almost have to be a type three civilization, which is a civilization that can control everything on its planet, oh. harness all the power off of its star for its own purposes, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of a thing to be able to do that. And, you know, right now, maybe it's enough that we just understand better the dangers involved and try to get our people not to travel in those areas. Yeah. Uh, Because there is definitely something going on there that is predating the human species. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of think of, uh, of like Star Trek, whenever they'd run into something real bad, they would put like a warning beacon there to warn off other future right. travelers and, and maybe right. we need some of those. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And you know, that's why I wrote the book paranormal planet yeah. is because we live on a paranormal planet. There is no guarantee that other planets have that same crystalline structure mm-hmm. that allow for these doorways to open that allow for this interdimensional activity to take place in such a way that it does here. There's no guarantee. And so the earth might be very, very unique in that way. It might be very unique in that way. We might be the paranormal planet (laughs) of the whole galaxy. There's no telling. Um, I'm not really sure how other planets evolve and if they have a crystalline structure and if they travel through space, does that crystal become compressed and if it becomes compressed, does it become ionized? And if it becomes ionized, well, does it emit an electromagnetic field strong enough to rip the membrane between it and another dimension? Sure. Because our physicists think that that's what's happening here. Wow. That's, that's absolutely shocking and, and concerning and exhilarating all at the same time. Because, I mean, it's it's it's... The the beauty of all of this is that it's just so much discovery just waiting for us, you know, to to figure it out, to maybe unlock the keys. And and again, I think our ancient forebearers had knowledge of these things. I mean, there were tri- tribes across uh, America, First Nations, had places they would go and places they would not go because they just understood, or you know, whether it was inherent within them or Absolutely. you know, how did they know? Well, absolutely. Oh, that was the other point. Oh, so good. So that, um, what was it called? The, the Soviet Academy of Sciences mm-hmm. in their research also published a very interesting, very small chapter. And in this chapter, they talked about how within the human body, exist microbiota. So there are microbiological entities living within you Mm. that you're unaware of. And this microbiota, which is the, uh, an aspect of just living here on earth, which is like little, uh, subatomic, like, you know, algae and fungi and what have you. Mm -hmm. Um, actually are conscious in and of themselves. Wow. And so, and they said that this microbiota was in tuned to this matrix. So in that, what we have is a, perhaps an explanation for the actual, you know, mechanism that's causing us to interact with our environment in such a way that it led Terrence McKenna to say, we live in a symbiotic relationship with something that disguises itself as an alien uh, invasion. Mm -hmm. So it's not to alarm us. 
Wow. So as not to alarm us. He got that from one of his, you know, ayahuasca trips, but that's profound. It is. It almost reminds me of, I uh, wonder if that was the inspiration for George Lucas and the midichlorians. Yes. Was, you know? Yes, absolutely. Mm, that's pretty interesting. And, you know, I think that, I suppose we are at our core energetic beings, but perhaps the being as we're in these meat suits, that would be maybe a bridge between the meat suit, the energetic us, and the world around us. Right, huh. right. That's and if so, maybe, just maybe, we have a, a glimpse of the mechanism, you know, that's actually taking place. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. This is such a, it's such a journey when I talk to you, Jack. It's just great. Um, it, it's like going on a roller coaster. I just never know where the next turn is coming. But you always, <laughs> well, you always cook my bacon. Thank you. Thank you. Well, what can I say? Welcome to my world. <laughs> well, we're, we're thrilled to be a part of it. But do you think, do you think that we have gleaned technologies from things we've recovered like that? I mean, is I, I, I do. I mean, general Lee Corso in his book, the day after Roswell, I, I, I just think that, or I'm sorry, Colonel, mm-hmm. I, I, I just think that it, it's almost undeniable when you read what he wrote and then you see the resulting technologies you almost have to accept the fact that uh, Colonel Corso was either like a Nostradamus who just kind of, you know, pieced one thing with another and said, well, this might have been on the spacecraft, and this is what it could have resulted in here. Mm. You know, and do that successfully like 50 different times on different technologies seems awfully weird to me. And then on top of that, you're beginning to hear rumblings from the OSAP and the ATIP guys at the Pentagon that, in fact, there was technology piecemealed out to various uh, corporations and done so under the SAP uh, auspices, which means, you know, special access program. That means, like, you contract a private entity to study a piece of technology and that private entity has their own security clearances and everything else that are unrelated to the government. They've been subcontracted. So now they're under their own law, their own auspices, and their own security clearances. And that's why we have the problem that we're having right now. Do you think some of those technologies have been invented, like uh, um, the TR3Bs and, and such like that? Do you think... That we, I, do. We, I think the TR3B is a, is a reality. I think that um, uh, light wave optics came from these craft. Um, clearly, when you talk, when you can read some of the testimony from UFO witnesses way back in the 1960s and 50s, talking about so-called angel hair oh. being, being left after a UFO crash. Well, that angel hair was was light fiber optic oh what it was right and see and see that's probably that's one of the major problems here mm-hmm. with the whole aspect of the entire phenomenon of itself is that it's always just out of reach yeah it's never a million years out of reach and you can go back to, into the 1880 airship phenomenon and see the same weird aspect, right, of people watching airships fly over when airships didn't exist. It wasn't a UFO. It was a blimp. And they described a blimp mm-hmm. when blimps don't exist. <laughs> it's always just out of reach. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. So, so it's like our our consciousness is projecting something that it it wants us to achieve. Right. Wow. Or like it a, wants us to get to that place. Right. You know. And I don't know. Like um, a I, like a big brother nudging us forward. You know. Right. And I wonder if it's the microbiota, maybe that exists huh? within us that makes us do this. You know what I mean? Like it wants off the planet. 
the microbiota went off. <laughs> this is the wow. technology that will allow it to do so. <laughs> That's an incredible thought. I mean, God, you know, I mean, it's one thing to imagine something having, a, you know, an awareness, but to have to have such a, a an incredible potential intelligence is is actually frightening. You know, it's like. Right. I was just, we're just puppets at that stage for the microbiota. It's, right. it's actually doing, yeah, making the decisions. Right. And that's the, that's the scary version. On, on the live show on YouTube recently, I was talking about the, the fungus that those ants get, that it basically turns yes. them into remote control cars, you know? Yes. Like, oh that's what God. we're talking about, but on a cosmic global, <laughs> like kind of a scale. Oh, my God. Well, I, I would hope that it's. That it will. That it's also looking out for our best interests, but you know, I don't know. Who knows? I guess, but it it is kind of kind of frightening to think that we might be being piloted by something. I know. I'd, right? I'd like to think this really? is really me, but you never know. I might be just some microbiota in a dish somewhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that stuff is is fascinating, but I think. You know, you and I have been talking, as I, as I said, for quite a long time before the show, and we got into the hitchhiker effect and, and, and all of that. But do you think that, as you suggested, that perhaps perhaps all of these things are indeed guided? I mean, is that possible that it is? It is, it okay. is quite possible. In fact, uh, Dr. Gary Nolan, uh, God bless him. Uh, who's in charge of the Pentagon's current efforts at trying to understand this whole thing, mm-hmm. makes the argument that any um, highly intelligent species would use what we call von Neumann probes in order to shield itself from us or any other species. And a von Neumann probe is a uh, artificially intelligent, self-replicating technology mm-hmm. that pretends to be its own civilization. Oh. So you're looking at, and if you were really, really smart, and you wanted to really shield yourself from the dangers of engaging with another civilization, this is how you would do it, because you could fully measure what the interaction was like without really giving up anything. Oh, okay. You see what I mean? There's no real danger to you or your planet. You've created an artificially intelligent species that's now engaged, and they represent you. (laughs) Right. Do you think that might be what's going on with those those tic-tac craft then? It's very possible. Okay. Very possible. With the grays, the whole thing. And you see, like, Every once in a while, like a, an alien abductee gets a real good glimpse behind the curtain of something that's happening. And usually the so-called Nordics yes. are always there behind the curtain. Mm. You know what I mean? It's so weird to me that the Nordics always show up, always in the presence of the greys, always kind of behind the scenes, even in, um, um, oh, God. The guy from Snowflake, Arizona. Um, Travis Walton? Travis Walton. Abduction? Uh-huh. It happened in that abduction. So once the, the creatures backed away from him in the main room, once he woke up and was, was kind of acting out violently with them, a, a Nordic walked into the room. A fully looking humanoid being with long blonde hair and blue eyes. He said the eyes looked weird. They didn't look human. Mm-hmm. Didn't say a word. But he knew that to follow this guy, and this guy led him on a tour around the ship. And right at the end, he doesn't remember anything else other than waking up from the ship just taking off. Lieutenant Collier, may I have your wristwatch, Lieutenant? Sir? Your wristwatch. Yes, sir. Paulison, turn on that Geiger counter. Yes, sir. Hold this watch next to it. Yes, sir. That's all. Lieutenant, if you hadn't any close contact with that transmitter, how do you explain the radioactivity of this watch? 
Well, I... I don't, sir. I think you'd better. To whom were you sending those signals? Condition red! Condition red! There's your answer, Captain. What is this, Collier? Alien spaceship approach. Alien spaceship approach. Collier, who's aboard that ship? All right, now talk! Very well, Captain. My mission seems completed. Your mission? Are you admitting that you're an agent of a foreign power? I'm stating it. What nation? No nation, Captain. What? I am an agent of the Voltan government. Oh, what? The government of the planet of Voltan. You're crazy. Are you so stupid, Captain? Did you think your people are the only ones who can invade another planet? What do you mean? We've had agents operating on Earth since 1945. I don't believe. That's a heck of a story. Um, the whole fire in the sky tour story, and that's that's the the Hollywoodization of it. Uh, actually, to hear Travis tell his own story, I hadn't read his book, but I've seen him talk, and uh, it is quite a bit of a departure from the Hollywood version, yeah. you know, in the, in the course of events. But yeah, they don't show any of that in the movie. Yeah, uh, you yeah. know, and that's the problem. Is you're like, why would they leave that particular part out? Why were the Nordics just too unbelievable? Was this man that looked like a human too unbelievable? They don't show any of it. Sure. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, what a what an incredible experience, but what a horrifying experience that must have been. But um, where was I going with this? I, <laughs> again, when I talk to you, it's like my head's going fifteen directions. <laughs> and and then you take me on a on a journey and it's like, oh yeah, where was I gonna say? But uh I, I think that there there is a, a real truth to the fact that our, our our ancestors seem to know so much more about the world around us. Uh do you think then that it's possible that these aliens intelligences, whatever that means, mm-hmm. how have they if have they had an active role in our development since the beginning? Let the Ancient astronaut theories, the you know the idea that perhaps they were involved in Puma Punka and, and other locations because of uh, you know including the Great Pyramids and such with these these astronomical feats of of huge stones and stuff being moved and machined in laser like precision. Do you think that that's possible? I I do. I feel like there was some kind of manipulation that took place in the past. I think that the over five hundred thousand stone clay tablets discovered at the palace of Ashurbanipal in Samaria that talk about this genetic manipulation could not have been faked. Right. Um, You're talking about a vast archaeological find. And these were people who were either, you know, chipping out 12,000 year old science fiction (laughs) or just what they wanted to convey to the future as the truth. Right. As they understood it. And I'm I'm willing to believe the latter was the case. And if that's the case, then we were clearly genetically manipulated. What's really interesting to me is that um, you have that ancient alien kind of presence, right? Mm-hmm. And it, um, it seems to permeate our history. Right. And then all of a sudden it seems to go quiet. And then it's not until 1961 that all of a sudden you have the very first alien abduction widely reported, which was Betty and Barney Hill, White Mountains of New Hampshire. And you're talking about a mere, what, 13, 14 years after the crash at Roswell Mm -hmm. that we begin to have the very first alien abduction phenomenon. Then we have a FOIA request memo leaked by the FBI talking about the fact that they think that these creatures were interdimensional and that they manifest by when they come down onto this plane, the vibrational level causes their craft and stuff to manifest. But what they're looking to do is to have DNA, which allows them to exist on this plane. Oh, wow. 
So if you confuse the DNA from another plane and this one, you might be able to stabilize it in such a way that you can colonize another plane. So, And that's what exactly this memo says that they were doing. Well, that's a little bit, bit frightening, a little bit concerning. I don't know what's going on in their own plane that they want to get the hell out of there. but <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, the memo also says that they exist on a planet that's uh, in the ether. They okay. use the word ether in an FBI wow. memo. I find that amazing. I have this on my website. Sure. And that the, the their planet exists kind of on the same, we're on the same spot on the same map, separated by a thin piece of paper. And when we exploded our little nuclear bomb, it caused all kinds of damage on their planet. Oh, yes, I've heard this theory before. Wow. So that actually came from this memo. So you're looking at a scenario, possibly, whereby we damage something on another plane mm-hmm. with our nuclear testing, which also opened a doorway by which they're now entering and wanting to colonize here through the development of the right DNA mm-hmm. because of the damage we caused. That's interesting because that, that definitely ties in with, uh, you know, the abductees and the, and the pregnancies and, and the hybrid children uh, that you hear about a lot about is, you know, it could be the, the progression of their genome to, right. to trying to, to be able to perpetuate here. Wow. Well, that's, <laughs> that's, that's uh that's a whole whole different uh, uh, can of worms. And, and I didn't know, I mean, I've certainly heard those things, but I didn't really uh, ever tie them all together, but that really does create a pretty, uh, pretty, uh, and I don't know if they, if they just like, Hey, you, you know, you screwed up our world. We got to come live in yours. Or if they're like, Hey, you screwed up our world. Now we'll have yours. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Which version are we dealing with? Right. Exactly. That's the scary parts. But I, I think that's, that's, I mean, it's, it stands to reason because I've often wondered, what are they doing here? They have all this technology, all this ability to go do or go anywhere and be, you know, to take advantage it of the also, universe. Yeah. It also explains the other very weird aspect of the overall alien abduction phenomenon, which is the fact, and this is a fact, mm-hmm. that the abductees keep saying that these hybrids are being embedded within our society, mm-hmm. but they're not being embedded to change anything. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's so weird. It's like, you, if you ascribe to the prison planet theory, kind of like I do, you're like, why would you sneak into a prison and pretend to be an inmate? Yeah. You don't want to change anything. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that kind of, that, that, that's how I look at it. Right. It, and... But when you look at it from that perspective of maybe they have this sort of morality where, yeah, we can colonize there, but we can't change mm. society. We can't, you know what I sure. mean, yeah. you know, do the things that we want to do. We can only introduce our genetic code. Ah, interesting. Well, may, you know, maybe maybe it is a more wholesome, holistic, uh, you know, viewpoint. But of course, I, you know, I'm I, I every time. You hear about aliens. You, you, a part of you, a part of me goes back to like the B movies. It's like, oh, what? you know, they're here to to rule, to take over. And Hollywood, right. I, I think, has maybe corrupted that image quite a bit. But well, you know, they're it's just like most of the phenomena in the paranormal. For the most part, it doesn't always. It it really isn't doesn't seem very harmful. It just kind of happens around. And maybe this is another aspect of that. Is that you know, this is another another function that maybe it's been going on for all time who knows and and just that our awareness is finally as such and and we're finally getting to ask the questions and to have the discussions that now we can start to see with clearer vision uh, than than ever before in our modern society okay. right that's a great insight i think that's you know spot on really oh thank you brother well you know i think it's it's very curious and it's and it's very concerning but i i, I don't know i tend to i tend to at least hope beyond hope that if they are indeed advanced civilizations, then hopefully they've got an advanced understanding and advanced social structure and an advanced goodwill, <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes. I hope the same thing. And I, you know, we all do. Yeah. 
I have to say, I argued the other point recently mm. on Nick Pope's new UFO television series where I talked about the uh, my dark jungle theory and the Japanese murder hornets, oh, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> and I'll leave, what, we were close to an hour. Sure. I'll leave, I'll leave you with this. This is, uh, this is what keeps me up at night. Okay. And this is what they asked me. They said, concerning the phenomenon, what keeps you up at night? And I had to be honest, and I had to say that I watch a lot of nature documentaries. Mm. And I hold the belief that the universe is no different than the jungles here on this planet. I think the same laws hold sway, and I think it's human uh, understanding and perception, which is flawed and not the law of the jungle. Mm-hmm. Right. So I was watching this nature documentary and these camera guys were dressed in full like bio suits. Right. And the reason why is because when you go into an area in the Japanese forest, there are things called murder hornets. And you can sense the CO2 from your breath and they hover right in front of your face and spray acid into your eyes. Oh God, I didn't know that. Yeah, which melts your eyes. At the same time, a pheromone is released that calls the rest of the hive right to you. They down you and they eat you. They are carnivorous. Oh man. Right? So you're talking about a horrible freaking, you know, killing machine. Well, this camera crew recorded 100 Japanese murder hornets flying up to and killing every single one of a 30,000 honeybee colony. Oh, yeah. yeah. They killed everybody. A hundred of them killed 30,000. And it was, they, they were close up. These things were turning around and spraying acid. They were just melting 10, 20 at a time, lopping heads off. It was death wholesale. Yeah. Right? The most horrific thing you could ever watch. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, what's to keep that from happening to us? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Because that was justified in the mind of whatever created it. And whatever created it created us. Mm -hmm. It's a problem in my mind. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, I'm not willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm sorry. Sure. But I've seen the law of the jungle. And the law of the jungle is a brutal, brutal reality for us as human beings Mm -hmm. so i'm wondering you know that you know stephen hawking even and and people like that they're like you don't want to make a lot of noise in space you know that's a good point yeah it's a baby we're a little baby crying out in the woods in the jungle maybe with our technology we just reached out and struck a match and we're a little baby holding this little match in the darkness and there could literally be anything yep. out there. Yeah. Wow. That's a sobering thought. Yeah. <laughs> That's quite a thought to leave us with. But, uh, Jack, <laughs> do you mind taking a minute and letting people know how to stay in touch with what you're doing? Because, you know, you've been doing some brilliant things. Uh, you, of course, have a brilliant website and, and an online presence yourself, uh, not to mention all the media you're involved in. But I'd love to have you do that. Um, absolutely. I appreciate it. You can find me on my uh, YouTube channel. I do a live show usually once a week. Um, last two weeks I have not, and that's because of my schedule's just been too crazy. But it's Paranormal Intelligence Agency. Um, if you go to paraintelagency.com, that's the website. And you can also find us on Facebook. So. Well, it's it's always a uh, an incredible pleasure for us to have this opportunity to sit down and talk. I I truly do treasure these conversations and I treasure your friendship. So, thank you for making this work today, brother. 
Hey, I thank you so much for having me back. It's I, I love these conversations. So <laughs> thank too. you. Yeah, we're very kindred <laughs> spirits that way. All right, yep. take care, brother. All right, you too. guys thank you so much for joining us here on tonight's show i hope you guys enjoyed it please feel free to follow us on facebook facebook.com slash paranormal portal radio as well as finding us on twitter we're on twitter at paranormal portal p-o-r-t-l and uh, we'd love to have you stop by our youtube page and subscribe and check out our shows there we got hundreds of shows journeys into the paranormal portal so i hope you'll check it out check it out guys we're over there at youtube.com slash paranormal portal so Hope to see you guys soon. Uh, we'll be back, of course, for more podcasts in the coming days. So we love you all. Be good, be kind, be nice. Take care of each other. Help each other out. Find the magic in every day. And remember to laugh as much as you can. That's one small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. Hello. Hello. Starcloud calling Earth. Oh, please, God, let me get through before it's too late. Hello. Stark out of Earth. Come in, please. Come in, please. Hello. Hello. Stark out of Earth. Captain Thorson calling. Charlie, come in, please. Hurry. Hello. Oh, hello. Can you hear me, Charlie? Skipper, is that you? Are you getting my signal? It's coming in a little louder now, Skip. Keep sending. Oh, my God. Now, look, Charlie, listen to me. Not much time. Get word to Colonel Harrison. Crew mutinied. Most of crew members, Fultons. What? Fultons. Spell that. V-O-L. Fultons. That's right. They're from the planet Volta. Skipper. Skipper, are you all right? Now, Charlie, this is serious. They'll be here any second. Now, listen. They have a fifth column on Earth. They're planning to invade you. You mean it? Of course I mean it. Tell Harrison, posing as humans. You can detect them by space blues. You got that? Only Fultons get space blue. Charlie, did you hear me? Space blue. I get you. They're breaking in, Charlie. I'm defending you. Warn everybody. Captain. They, they've opened the door. So long, Charlie. Tell Hannah. Captain. <laughs> Captain Thorson. Hello. Hello, Star Cloud. What's the trouble, Sergeant? I was just trying to raise a Star Cloud, Colonel. I had any luck? No, sir. No contact. No contact, eh? No, sir. Nearly an hour since they hit the galactic barrier. I don't understand why they haven't tried to get a message back. No, sir. Neither do I. Oh, all right. I'll take over for a while. Yes, you you do that, sir. It's all yours. Right. Oh, and Charlie, uh, you better go out and get yourself some coffee. You look a little blue around the gills.